What's up, people? I am talking to a guy who's a legend in so many ways. The first UFC welterweight champion ever. First guy ever to win it. Ultimate 16 winner, UFC Hall of Famer. And he does so much, you, f- you forget how good of a fighter he, he was because he's, he's, he's a man of many, many talents. Pat Militich, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Adam. Good to see you, buddy. Good talking to you. Actually, great. It's great. It's great talking to you, man. Um, so uh, your, your your people reached out. You're doing commentary on an upcoming fight. Tell me about this. Yeah, you know, a local promoter, and it all happened this way when Access TV was bought out by a Canadian broadcast company. I I basically, you know, went home for a few days, licked my wounds. Everybody on the the entire crew got let go, pretty much. And so you got a lot of families that are like, what's up? How, you know, how are we going to, you know, make a living? Right. And so it was unfortunate, but I sat there for a couple of days and then I thought, I think we could do this on our own. So I called up, I called up some of my buddies, uh, Jeffrey Wilson, who's a, he's a co-host on my podcast, the conspiracy farm and very talented, very, very bright guy. And Justin Holstein and a couple other guys. And I said, do you think we can do this? And they said, well, let's look into it. So Justin is putting, put a couple shows on A&E, uh, ghost hunter shows and things like that. So he's got a background in TV and, uh, Paul Martinez, who has a, a broadcasting film company. And so we partnered with uh, a good friend here, Mike Goodwin and cage aggression. And we decided to start doing, you know, our own shows and that's kind of how it, how it went down. So we, we do our own dot-com pay-per-views. Nice. Now, what, what are some of the obstacles that you run into if you want to start your own promotion? Well, I mean, I don't run the promotion. I've done a couple of shows many, many years ago. Something I don't want to do. I don't want to be the promoter. Um, you know, I've worn a lot of hats in the sport. Refereed a lot of fights, obviously coached and fought. have judged a lot of fights and, uh, you know, worked the TV side and seen that, that side of it. So, um, but I do not want to be a promoter. That is a lot of that is a lot of herding cats that goes on with that job, and I do yes. not have the patience for that. So Mike Goodwin does all of that, and he does a great job. He puts on a very good show, and they match athletes up equally, no matter what level they are. And you know, because of this, this, uh, this whole COVID stuff, the lockdown and everything, um, we were able to do shows in the state of Iowa when other places weren't. Right, and. And because of that, a lot of athletes that were pretty high-level people started calling Mike Goodwin and saying, hey, man, I went on your show because you guys are doing pay-per-views. And we have, an, we have a, unique, um, a unique system that Mike put together where athletes can have their own promo codes so they get a, pay, a percentage of the buys 
um, on the on those cards, which I mean, that's that's a great deal for the athletes. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, one hundred percent. Yeah. You do. You you like. I used to always say I, I miss you on LFA. Not that those guys don't do a great job, but I pretty much like. I don't think there was a fight that I watched where I didn't agree with your who you thought won the round. Almost to the point where, even if, if the guy if the guy lost, if he like, he like won your card, I'd almost consider that like a win, because I I mean you were looking at it through so many different eyes and like, what do you think's wrong with some of these judges? Well, I mean, you know, I won't I won't say the names or anything. I can just tell you a couple different instances. One time I was in Las Vegas when Robbie Lawler was fighting on that one U.S. Pride show in Vegas. Right, remember that? Yeah, and. I walked up to one of the Las Vegas judges and I asked, I said, I said, you're, you're one of the judges, right? And I said, yeah. And I said, I'm just, I'm kind of new to the sport. Could you explain what a triangle choke is to me? And, and the judge looked at me like, you know, with a, a sheepish look and just turned and walked away. I had no uh, idea. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, what they did was is they took boxing judges and they threw them in the seats they shouldn't have been in and they didn't know what they were looking at and things like that. And, you know, it has gotten better to an extent, but, you know, we still see some pretty bad refereeing. We still see some pretty bad judging, obviously, in the sport. So it's, it's pretty rough. But, you know, it's a complex sport. There's a lot going on and there's a lot to understand about the sport. And I guess, you know, you've, you've obviously, you're very familiar with wrestling. You're very familiar with MMA, you know, just as I am. So we're, we're going to look at it totally different. Than, than a lot of people are, yeah, right? Of course. No, I mean, my wife will watch this, but like, who's winning? She doesn't even know. I feel like, so, you know, I got to be on top of the, she's like, who's winning? I'm like, well, you know, but that's, uh, now, last week, the um, the thing that happened with Kevin Holland and Kyle Dalkus, you watch what, what happened? I, I got, didn't get a chance to see that fight, no. So, they were fighting, and it was a, it was a headbutt. It wasn't, it wasn't intentional. An unintentional headbutt knocked him out. But the ref didn't stop it. He let it go. And the guy, the guy got back up and then kept fighting. And then he ended up uh, getting submitted, uh, Kevin Holland did. So he, he tapped. Well, afterwards, Irvine came in and told the, told the ref, no, you, guys, you should have stopped that because it, it yeah. changed the rule to a no contest. Yeah. Um, because, and I was just wondering what your thoughts on that was. Well, I mean, look, you've got referees that are – it's it's kind of weird. It's it's troubling for me to watch because I have refereed a lot of fights and I'm familiar with when someone's hurt. I'm familiar with when someone's in trouble, when someone's potentially going to get caught in a submission, you know, all those types of things. Just because we've seen it so much, Adam, we can go, well, he's going to get armbar here pretty quick, right? Or, yep, here comes the triangle. Oh, he's going, oh, yeah, he's going to hit a key lock or a sweep or whatever. You can see it developing before it develops. You just know how the body moves when they're trying to do something. And a lot of referees have not spent a lot of years on the mats. Um, they certainly haven't been punched in the face. Um, we're seeing a lot of people being punched in the face during practice and recognizing when to say, stop, stop, he's hurt. You know, that sort right. of stuff. You know, when I had to run practice, <clears throat> of course, the guys I always had them wearing, 16 ounce gloves and shin pads and headgear and stuff. Cause I, I had to get guys to, to the cage safely. You know, those guys had to make a living. My job as a coach is yes, they have to train at high speed at certain times, but they also have to get there safely to make money. Right. So just being keenly aware 
that it's my job to protect, you know, my athletes when I was coaching so much uh, and my job to protect those athletes when I'm in there. But there's just people that aren't familiar with how the human body works. Um, you know, you can see people getting, they're choked unconscious. They've been unconscious for how many seconds and the referee has no clue and they don't know the snorting and they don't know the, where the belly's moving in and out really hard trying to breathe and they're unconscious or the eyes are wide open and they're unconscious. You know, those sort of things that you, you have to be keenly aware of. And there's just a lot of referees maybe out there that, that just aren't. Not only that, but like, I don't know if you, if you heard, but so there was a, a, a death today. A guy got knocked out in bare knuckle boxing last week, a couple days ago, I guess. He got knocked out, landed on his head. He died today or, or yesterday. Um, he was a fighter that was 6-18. and 18. So people are wondering, why are we letting that happen? Uh, Crazy Horse Bennett has lost 14 fights in a row, and they're still putting him out there. Um, I like bare-knuckle boxing, but I don't like this. I don't like – a guy loses 13 in a row, why, why is he still fighting? Why is a guy 6-18 and 18 fighting a guy who's not – Six and eighteen, or five and twenty. Put those guys together. Maybe they'll have a, a kind of a kind of a fight. Yeah. Well, you know, it's my job if I'm coaching or managing, or I'm a promoter. At some point, and I cross paths with an athlete like that. You know, I have to sit him down and say, "Man, listen, um, let's stop. You know, go go get a job, make a decent living. Um, you know, you want to be able to remember. You know." You want to be able to spell your name when you're in your 50s, right? I can still spell my name. Luckily, I moved my head enough. I never got never got a concussion or had any symptoms of a concussion, never got knocked out, anything like that. So I'm one of the lucky ones. But um, there's, there's a lot of guys out there. And I, I had a conversation with an athlete that I was coaching uh, many years ago. He came from Virginia. His name was – he fought in the UFC. His name was Sherman Pendergast. He was a sweetheart of a human being. And – um, I didn't know uh, at the time he kept fighting at lower weight divisions and he wasn't winning and he was getting hurt. And I set him down and, and brought him in my office. And uh, I said, Sherman, I said, let's, I, I, I can't train you anymore. I can't, I don't want to see you get hurt. You know, I don't, I don't want to see this anymore because I cared about him. He was a good right. human being. And I said, you know, you keep dropping weight to try and win fights and stuff. And he goes, coach, he goes, Pat. And he and I, um, we disagreed on a lot of things in life, but I, I loved him. I loved him to death. And, and he, then he, he said to me, he said, Pat, he goes, listen, he goes, I'm dying of cancer. I'm doing this, Ugh. you know, so, you know, and you go, fuck, you know, what do you, what do you do with that? And, you know, he ended up passing away from cancer. But, um, you know, that's that's the type of conversation I would have with people, you know. And, and, uh, that's got to be yeah, a hard Sherman's, conversation. Be, I mean, and then, oh, what do you yeah. say? Was, and then what do you say? Just keep fighting at that point? Well, he's got terminal cancer. Um, he's not going to get the surgery. He's not going to do chemo. And he said, basically, everyone in his family had passed away from the same type of cancer. I don't know what chemicals their, their family came in contact with. But, you know, at that point, yeah, I had to say, all right. Right until the wheels fall off, brother. Right, yeah, at that point. Now, uh, yeah. now, John Jones last week, I don't know if you heard, got arrested again. Uh, domestic violence. Uh, he, he's accused of pulling his fiance's hair. Uh, the, the cops came. The, the, his daughter told the security guard to call the cops. He was, he was drunk. 
he then headbutted the police car, uh, and now they don't know what's going to happen. He spent the night in jail. Now he's out on bail. What do you think the UFC should do? What would you do if you were his coach? What are your thoughts on John Jones? Well, I mean, look, um, John's John's an incredible athlete, and he's you know he even admitted that there's so much trauma in his past that you know he and alcohol don't mix. So you know, look, I've had problems with alcohol. You know, I've got two DUIs. And I've had to really focus on figuring out what was causing that. I go to a hypnotherapist, a good friend of mine who's, I don't, because of the things, excuse me, the things that happened in my childhood, I just don't trust anybody. I just don't, I don't trust anybody. And that's something that I've had to learn how to do. Um, And it comes down to finding out what caused you the problems and what are your triggers and what causes it, you know, a, a toxic relationship that I had was causing those triggers to come up over and over and over, over a 10 year period. And I had to figure it out. Right. right. I just had to figure it out. So, you know, with John's going through the same thing and he just, he just needs to figure that out. You know, I would su- suggest, you know, going to a, um, uh, a quantum timeline hyp- hypno- uh, hypnotist who can take you back through your life and observe things that you normally wouldn't remember. And you can remember certain things and then they bring you forward with a lot of knowledge. And once you observe it from through different eyes, um, you're able to go back through it again and, and view that. And any other person that maybe hurt you when you were a kid, stuff like that. And you have to go through their life that led up to those moments where you interacted with people. Right. And it gives you a whole different level of wisdom and understanding of why, why you are the way you are. And it's certainly, and the guy's name is Nick Spahn. He's online, S-P-O-H-N, Nick Spahn. He's a good friend of mine. He actually fought underneath me. He had several fights underneath me and then went and got his master's degree. And um, he's a motivational speaker. He's an incredible guy, very, very smart guy. Um, so that's what John needs to do. He needs, he needs to go get help. So for you, now you're, so, you're uh, sober? Yeah. And how hard is it for you every day? Like something crazy happens, you want to fucking kill somebody, something happens, I mean, for you to not drink well you know i've got a it's it's not that right now it's more um you know when i observe people you know you have to understand a book that i was reading with a friend um they suggested the book but um it basically explains how everybody is the way they are so the imprinting that happens during your childhood it's kind of it's it's very powerful where when you're when we're little Every time we cry, we get food, we get picked up, you know, we get hugged, um, we get our diaper changed, whatever it is. And that imprinting um, is, is powerful. And you think you're the center of the universe because of that, right? Right. Now, if you had bad relationships with a parent, you know, my dad was, was abusive and all that sort of stuff. So later on in life, you don't do well with people who are your boss, right? And for me, in the TV world, producers and executive producers, you know, they're, they're your boss, but they don't treat you like they're your boss. Usually more, more times than not you're as a team, everybody's, whether it's the sound engineer, cameraman, all this, everybody's got to do their job. You're a spoke in the wheel. And if everybody does their job, right. The broadcast comes off pretty well. Right. So everybody's got an important job. So producers and executive producers generally won't, and directors won't treat you like they're, or, or you're their subordinate though. You're just, someone who works with them. And I think that's why I do well in TV. I don't do well ever with another man yelling at me. 
<laughs> unless <laughs> unless he's my coach. You know, growing up in wrestling and football in Iowa, it's very intense, obviously. I get motivated by coaches who are kind of a, a good father figure who would yell at me. That's when I get motivated. But in the work atmosphere and things like that, yeah, I don't I don't do well with that. So that's that but that teaches people, you know, it teaches me that I've got to have um, unconditional love for people, even if I don't like them, because I understand now why they are the way they are <clears throat> because of their childhood, because of a lot of that stuff. And you see it with greed. You see it with people abusing their power. You know, the politicians we're dealing with now, um, some people that happen to end up most law enforcement are great people, but you're going to have people that end up putting that badge on that maybe don't belong there yes. or someone who's a boss at work, you know? So you, you, get, you, you, you kind of look, look at people through a different lens and, you know, just try to have unconditional love for them no matter what. Unless they're trying to hurt me or they're just evil, then you got to do what you got to do, that's, right? That's very big of you. Speaking of which, you recently had a boxing, uh, a boxing match against Michael Nunn. Michael Nunn was a world champion boxer. I think he went to jail for a while. He got out of mm -hmm. jail, and you were trying to help the guy out. You're like, listen, you're the big deal in, uh, in Iowa. I'm the big deal in Iowa. We should have a fight. What I heard with this fight was you kicked him in the leg, he almost fell apart, uh, and you said, you know what, I'm going to just box this guy because I'll just kill him in the first round if I kick again. Is that what, kind of what happened? Well, it was more, you know, it's along the lines. I only kicked him a, a few times hard, um, but, um, you know, Michael's a great, a great person. He really is. He's, you know, when he and I have talked, you know, say, for instance, after I got a DUI, he was the first guy to call me. You know, he was the first guy to call. Me. He's good. He's a good human being. He's got a good heart. Um, he's made some mistakes in life, just like a lot of people have. Um, but uh, the goal was not to hurt him. Um, he wanted to get his name back out there and do, you know, the the, the old guy tour uh, boxing. And he's still ridiculously fast. I mean, incredibly fast. And he's he's very tall for his weight. Um, and uh, yeah, so I you know I kicked him in the legs a few times. And he, I called him up the next day after the fight. And it really, it was about, you know, the media was trying to drive separation and division amongst the citizens. And I thought, you know, I'd like to bring my community together. You know, I'd like to bring people together. I'm not doing well with this lockdown stuff. Um, I think it's ridiculous that they're doing it. And yes, people are dying, but the vast majority of people are not at risk from this. And so anyway, Michael and I agreed on that definitely that we wanted to get our community together and show some unity and, and doing an event to get people out during the lockdown. Yeah, that I was, mean, uh, that was awesome. Um, I got to ask, see, so you went to the Capitol rally, which, you know, I wouldn't have went to the Capitol rally, but that's, that's your choice. You go there, you didn't storm the building. Did you know people were storming the building? Did you, were you aware? We, of this? we, we, we saw people. The thing is, here's the thing, you know, I want people to understand that the people, you know, that are organizers of Antifa, BLM, and the people that were at the front of that crowd up there, um, you know, look, they've got ties to handlers. That's, let's just put it that way, all right? This stuff doesn't just happen organically. Right. So, so people have to understand that they're driving division on purpose. They want us to divide. They want us to hate. They want us, to, you know, whatever. And so, no, you know, we couldn't see – because we were all all the way down on the street, and that's a huge piece of land that leads yeah. up to the Capitol building. So, so we saw people um, being let. They opened the, the barriers and waved people up, up the hill, and they did the same thing on the other side of the Capitol. 
um, at the same time. And so the crowd poured up the hill, and as it got up the hill, then a bunch of guys in riot gear came in from the left and started hammering the crowd with concussion grenades, um, rubber bullets, you know, OC spray and all kinds so you, of stuff. So you go there, you, t- you take a picture, right? And somebody holds up a, a Proud Boy sign or something in the picture, but you don't know what the hell people are – like, you didn't know what was going on, right? And then next thing you know, you're in a picture I, with, a, with a guy holding up a sign, and then you get fired from your job. Well, it was, you know, Mike Jackson, who I cornered in the UFC against CM Punk, um, you know, he's a a self-proclaimed, you know, communist, basically. That's fine. But that's the tactic is you got you got to spread lies about people. Right. You've got to spread lies about people Um, and saying the headline that I supported uh, domestic terrorism and white supremacy, which is the biggest crock of shit in the world. but, you know, there's people out there that don't know me. They've never met me. They're going to believe whatever they read. That's the way people are. Um, and had I ever said or written anything racist in my entire freaking life and career in MMA, they'd have found it. Right. <laughs> they'd have found it, right? So, you know, everybody, you know, a lot of people anyway, believe the lies and stuff. And it is what it is. I mean, it it it, uh, it caused me some, some heartache that, that people – will believe anything, right? And that's just I mean, anyone that knows you knows that you're not racist, that you're not, you, you, you're the most, I don't know, you, you, you just seem like the, I don't, just a nice human being that like cares about people. Uh, well, and that's the thing, you know, this whole, and that's the thing that people need to understand, right? So me hosting a podcast, and that's all we do is explore geopolitical domestic policy stuff. But we go, you know, we're talking about the side of things that obviously are never going to be explained to people in the mainstream media. It's just not, that's just not the game that's being played. And, uh, we had interviewed people, research scientists, um, other people who, who had exposed the, the uh, bioweapons laboratories and all that, you know, and, uh, and the, the ability there it's documents, um, that were released. We feel, you know, to scare the hell out of people. Um, that they had developed viruses that can attack specific DNA. Right. And that's, that's something that, that we had exposed with having one of our guests on the show. So I have a little deeper understanding of what's going on in the world. When I see, you know, they're showing video and stuff from China and all this other stuff and trying to scare the hell out of people. So a hypnotherapist, Nick explains in one of his videos with me, that a hypnotherapist will elicit an emotion and then make a suggestion. And they'll do that and they'll lead you down a road until you're hypnotized and then they can work with you. So the way the media does it, the way the TV does it, is they show you body bags. They show you refrigerator trucks. They show you a bat in a bowl of soup. And, uh, and then someone who you think is an authority figure and they tell you, you got to wear a mask, lock yourself down in place, we're all, we're all going to die. And it goes right past the cognitive thinking part of the brain and seats itself in the lizard part of the brain as a belief. So there's no, there's no change in their mind. I could have the best research scientists in the world talk to them, and they're just not going to change their mind. It's not going to happen. And um, so from my standpoint, I'm going, well, here we go again. And people on the other side who haven't done that kind of research are scared. Now they're going to react with fear, Right. And they're going to react with love, love for their families, just like I am. Yeah. You know, I'm reacting out of love for my family, love for my community, 
and love for my country. And they are as well. And their belief system makes them very, they're adamant about their beliefs, right? So me, if I were to choose not to get injected with whatever it is they're, they're using, I'm a bad guy and I'm a danger to them. And that, that's, it's, it's a very bad place to be for a country. This is how the dehumanization happens um, in societies. And it's been done numerous times. And when you observe it in history, the playbook is very simple and it's easy to follow and it's easy to kind of, unless a lot of people wake up, it's easy to see where it heads, unfortunately. Man, now I know why you're drinking. Um, black oxygen. Well, yeah, so let's talk about that because you are all about black oxygen. Uh, and all I see are people telling you on Instagram how it saved their lives. So what is black oxygen? Tell me about it and where can I get it? Well, number one, it does not, we can't claim ever that it treats, cures, prevents, diagnoses any disease, sickness, whatever, right? Um, so to help people understand, all the way back in 1936, scientists and doctors testified in front of a Senate subcommittee. And in 84 years ago, um, when they testified, they said the explosion in disease and sickness in America is due to the over-farming and the depletion of nutrients in our soil. So without the proper organic nutrients, it's got to be purely organic. So it's nutrients that have been sucked up out of the ground, turned organic by the plant, and then the plant is either eaten or it decomposes and you end up using the decomposed portion of the plants, which this is. So uh, a friend of mine in Canada, Mark St. Onge, who I think should get a Nobel Prize for, for doing this, <clears throat> he had 30 years experience in nutrients of soil all around the world. So he started testing the bogs in Canada and found the one that was the most nutrient rich. And when he did, went down 40 feet under the, under the mud to the nutrient layer that's about five feet thick and found where all the nutrients of 1,500 different types of plants had decomposed for 60,000 years. So he sucks that up and he uses a, a CO2 pressurized and freeze drying process to turn it into a powder. So when you put that in your body, now that you know what it is, I'll tell you how it works. It's nanotechnology basically created by God. So that nanotechnology means it can travel in and out of the cells. When it goes into the cell, it has 60 times its carrying weight to deliver nutrients and up to 45% more oxygen into the cell, which creates an alkaline environment, which it's very difficult for disease to exist. On the way out of the cell, it carries, it, it uh, chelates, it's a chelator. So it's got 60 times its carrying weight to drag heavy metals and toxins out of the cell. And it does a lot of other things for the gut bacteria. Uh, the intestine um, helps the, um, the glandular system the, or the, the hormonal system go back to normal. So testosterone and estrogen levels and all of that sort of stuff um, get leveled out. And I've just seen an awful lot of amazing things happen with people's health um, that, you know, I, I have learned through this process that um, the answers have always been underneath our feet and we just didn't even understand it. We just didn't know. So where can I get this black oxygen and how much should I take of it? And do you, do you drink it like a smoothie? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually on sale right now, 80 some dollar, 90 bucks, whatever for a bag of powder that if you take it as prescribed, it'll last you 50 days. Um, it's then they're reformulating, they're adding, uh, non-GMO, all organic vitamin C powder to it as well so that black oxygen can transport that into your cells as well. 
which is which is really huge. But uh, you can go to that's blackoxygenorganics.com slash PJ Militich, and people can order it there. And uh, I, I'm I'm having a blast with it. I'm doing things workout wise that, that I really you know as a 55 year old guy probably you know shouldn't be able to do. My joints don't hurt. It moves inflammation out of the body. Um, that's the respiratory system as well, uh, arterial system. So it it does some pretty pretty amazing things. It's just because. Our bodies lack the actual nutrients we're supposed to have. That's all. By the way, we're joined by the way by the hilarious comedian Greg Romero Wilson. Obviously, we got Pat Militich on the podcast, a legend. You know, what I don't like about you, Pat, is that so? You know, you are. I think you're a little. I would say libertarian, right? You're pretty much a libertarian. If you had to classify you as a libertarian. Yeah, I mean, I I prefer. You know, hey, people can do what they want as long as you're not hurting somebody else. Do whatever the hell you want. So, just leave me alone and don't 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 impose your beliefs on me and don't make me do what you want me to do. But what I like about you is that you and Tom Arnold are on the opposite sides of the spectrum. Like just fighting on Twitter for a while. It was every day. You guys just just fighting on Twitter. And then you went out and saw him do comedy and then afterwards went out for a drink with him. You guys had a blast. And Yeah, we were we were getting ready to do a TV show together, Tom and Pat's America or Pat and Tom's America, and we were going to go all over the place and i was going to drag him into conservative meetings he was going to drag me into liberal settings and we were just going to try and unite america is what we were trying to do and right. um, and that, and then covid hit obviously and that shut that idea down but i love the fact that like it's just too many people right now it's just my way or the highway fuck you fuck you this and that and you're like you know what i don't agree with everything tom arnold says but i'm going to go see him i'm going to support him i'm going to love the guy and then we're going to work together there's just not enough of that at all. Right. Well, and that's the thing is, look, again, everybody's doing what they're doing out of their belief system. A lot of times how they were raised, a lot of times how maybe people that they saw as, you know, whether an authority figure or somebody they looked up to, how those people imposed and impressed upon them belief systems, things like that. And what I had to do, and I make this very clear, is that <clears throat> I voted for Trump. But about halfway, it was about halfway through his his um, administration where I started asking questions, and my co-host Jeffrey Wilson, you know, saying we both looked at each other when Trump um, renewed the NDAA, which allows them to prop use propaganda. It allows um, you know indefinite detentions, and it allows them to drone you. <laughs> um, I said, well, doesn't look like he's probably the white hat. So when I was in D.C. Not one, not not myself, not any of the guys I was with, not one of us had anything on our bodies that said Trump. And when Trump was speaking, we just walked away and went down to the Capitol because we knew eventually that's where everybody was going to end up because the lawmakers were going through, you know, all the states and all that sort of stuff. So we just walked down there ahead of the crowd. Um, so people have to understand that I recognize that I have to I have to check my belief system every day. And by doing that, I had to take a step back and go, now nah, Trump's not the guy. Trump's not the guy uh, we thought so, he was. So right? the, the picture with the guy holding up, the, so the, what's going on? The, the guy who allegedly held up the, the, the sign, the white power sign, did you even know what that was? Or did you have any idea what the hell that guy I didn't, was? I didn't even, well, I didn't see it. And if I would have thought that's what he was doing, I wouldn't have posted the picture. So whatever. Right. Um, but a lot of people were asking me, I took pictures with, um, you know, people of all walks of life in Washington, D.C. who recognize me, ask me for pictures, things like that. 
I don't do background checks on people when they ask for a picture. I mean, and you don't either, right? No, of course you not. Could, you could ask for, you know, you could be taking a picture with a mass murderer. You don't even know. 1,000%, so, yeah. So it's, it's, it's ludicrous that, um, that people go, yeah, Militich is a racist and this and that, whatever. And then you try to defend it and it's like they take whatever you say and they put that out of context. So it's like you just, you just have to kind of um, now I, I saw yeah. that you were opening up a new gym. Well, I'm not really opening up a new gym, but I'm training people, you know, I love doing seminars. I've, I've trained law enforcement military for a long time. Um, and my good buddy, Jake, who is a uh, former military law enforcement. He's an expert in tactics, firearms. He's going to handle that, that side of things. I'm going to handle the, the, you know, the empty hand stuff, um, edge weapon stuff in terms of karamets because it works well for grappling situations uh, right. because the next finger loop, it's tough to, it's tough to get it out of your hand and, uh, and weapon retention. I've always, you know, I've spent a lot of time on weapon retention, how to, how to keep a long gun in your hand, how to keep a, a pistol uh, in your possession and, and, the only way we, the only thing that I, and I see a lot of people out there who are teaching out of theory, you know, you get out there and you teach wrestling techniques. You have to know that they work. You've had to have done them a thousand times, a million times. So I can't teach out of theory. And I see a lot of people out there teaching out of theory. <clears throat> and I, I've only coached a little bit here and there. I helped local kids out um, who are in MMA, but I thought I read a, I read a quote that was on Instagram. Somebody posted and it said, there's a lot of people out there who are not qualified to do the things that you're good at and you're not doing it. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, I should be teaching people. I should, I should be, you know, and, and the yeah. COVID thing, you know, it slowed down, you know, a lot of the law enforcement stuff that I was doing. And obviously, you know, it, it was tough to do that. So I'm just going to get back into it because that's what I love to do. When, when I teach, there are no other problems in the world. And <laughs> I, I love seeing people smile and learn. Well, God bless. Listen, Pat, you seem like you're in a great place, man, and I'm I'm so honored to have you, man. Uh, yeah, you're one of the OGs, and uh, you you know keep it up, keep keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to watch this thing. Uh, when is this uh, event that you're going to be commenting on? Uh, it's Friday and Saturday, October 15th and 16th, and they, again, they can go to cagedaggression.tv to order that. We don't charge an arm and a leg for it, and there's a trust me, it's going to be very competitive fights. Uh, our main event on Friday night is Alec Alec Lorenz. Uh, he's 4-0, 4-0 with four KOs, first round against Darian Abbey, and he's from Stanford MMA. The other one, uh, Alec, is from uh, – he's an Iowa boy. He's from Hard Drive up in Cedar Rapids, and those guys put out a lot of great fighters. But um, Abbey's got 11 wins by first round KO, so that's going to be a great main event. Uh, Matt Hughes' son, Brandon, is going to be fighting as well on the card. Oh, so cool. people can we'll, – we'll have, we'll have Matt Hughes for an interview. Uh, for our podcast, uh, we do another podcast called Everything Combat. So we'll talk to Matt and his son on that as well. And then Fight Night as well. We'll talk to Matt. But uh, um, Montel Williams Jr., who's 5-0, and coming out of Las Vegas, yep. is fighting Josh Neal, a local fighter here. Um, so that's also on the card. So we're going to have we're gonna have a lot of fun. And, and, uh, Jeff Wilson and Jason Burmas um, are, are my co-announcers for those shows. So we have a lot of fun. Jason Burmas has a huge following on, on uh, his podcast on Rockfin. Just look up Jason Burmas, B-E-R-M-A-S. And he's in, in his early twenties did um, Invisible Empires, the documentary and Loose Change as well. So people can look those up and get an education on, 
on some things that they probably aren't too familiar with, maybe. Well, that's like the story of my, of my life. Well, thank you, Pat. Uh, you are the man. And uh, good luck with everything, brother. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me, buddy. Take Anytime. care. Anytime. That was Pat Militich. Greg, how are you, man? I'm good, brother. It's uh, interesting to catch the end of that. I, I wanted to ask questions, but I felt like I was going to ask him to repeat things yeah. he probably already said. Yeah, and yeah. so I didn't want to jump in because at the end, I, I was like, you know, and you can fill me in right now. Um, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you weren't there as a Trumper, but then why were you there? I wish we would have asked that. Uh, I wish you would have jumped in and asked that. Um, okay, because I figured I, I was afraid that it had already been covered. You were no, talking about no, his new no, things at that lot, point. And, Pat's one of those guys. He's, he's got a lot going on. Um, and, and I like to listen to him. He's a because it sounds like he was distancing himself from the Trumpism, and and I was just uh, I was just surprised, and I was like, well, I don't want to make him repeat anything he's already said. And, and it's like, ever, listen, I, don't, I didn't support Trump, I didn't support Trump, and and I didn't go to it. So <laughs> I mean, that, that's the only thing I was wondering. That's what I was. Wondering. It seems like a lot of people didn't know that was going to happen, though. Um, right? I mean, there were a lot of people there. You think they all knew that, that they were going to storm the Capitol? Yeah, I, I think they there. specifically went there to do that. I wonder a lot of people just went there just to like thought it was a rally and just like, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a no rally. way. They've been making it clear for a long time that's what they were going to do. They were going to overthrow the government. They thought it was, you saw the, it's a revolution. I thought like a majority of people were there just to just because it was like a rally and they went, to, they were, they, were they, they thought Trump really won. Yeah, this was the big, no, no. No, 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 no. This was their big insurrection. They've been talking about it for months. I had a buddy who's a comedian who's a big Trumper that was out of Vegas. He goes, watch out, here it comes. You know, their whole oh, call really? before the storm. This is what they were leading up to. This was the big moment. They went there to do this. Wow, I did not know that. I thought that there was a bit, like some people that did that, but then there were other people that were just there because it was a rally. No, and then, I mean, that's all they talked about, too. I mean, all the, were like, trial by combat! Like a Giuliani fucking said those words. I mean, they know this was their big, you know, cue, revolution, time to storm the Capitol moment. That's, anybody that went yeah, there I, went there for that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't leave my house unless I, it's a comedy show. <laughs> I, I'm with you, exactly. exactly. Unless I'm booked, I, I don't know why I'm going. I don't think yeah. I ever went to one rally in my life. I just don't, like, I don't know. I, I'm just not a rally guy. Uh, I think, I mean, if it was back in the 60s, it was Woodstock, maybe. It was a Vietnam. Bring people, people or if I was single, if I was single, I'd go to all the rallies. Pick up on that sweet rally beef. Well, but as a married up? guy, I don't really care anymore. I'm like, I, I, I'll express myself with my vote. And I think that's about as far as <laughs> You got to get a babysitter. You got to tell your wife, I'm going to be gone for nine hours. Exactly. By the way, I may call you from jail, you know, so... It's about being, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's definitely rally, I mean, but that particular day, come on, we got to stop sugarcoating this thing and acting like they didn't do what they did. I don't know who, why we're trying to protect the, the, the perpetrators. I'm not trying you know? to anybody. I just, I just thought that, like, I think, like, guys like Pat, who would just standing around doing nothing, and then he gets fired from his LFA job, it's just like, uh you know, yeah, and I mean, listen, listening to him, I, I, again, I say it almost out of comedy more I mean, than anything else, guys but were, it does make me wonder, like, then why were you there? This was a speci very specifically, you know, themed, pro programmed, planned event, 
And I don't know who was, I mean, but I guess there were counter protesters, but I don't feel like he was there in a counter protest capacity. How are you? So it's just, how, how was your week? My Oh, so weird, dude. So weird. What, what happened? I went to, I took the wife. Uh, this is our second vacation here. This is everything we, that we planned, like, during the pandemic. And then, like, as things began to thaw, I bought all these tickets to do things, you know. And now it's like, oh, fuck. Uh, you know, like, I guess we got a lot of shit, you know. I'm doing all these things that aren't work. And I'm like, this is stupid. Um, so we went to New England. And uh, we have friends that moved from L.A. to Vermont but this was before the pandemic. This wasn't like, oh, the, you know, let's, they had already done, they decided, we're done with LA. We're, we're writers. We can write from anywhere. We, we want to be alone. So they moved to Vermont. We've been saying we were going to go visit them then the pandemic. And then like, oh, we're going to, so we go. So I booked it. We go to Vermont. And I, I was like, this is the most married guy shit I've ever done. I can go in and watch in the, the fall foliage. Right. Watch the leaves change. Which, you know, look, it was nice, you know, but like we're taking this walk through the woods with our friends and they're all nature lovers and stuff. And Summer loves that that stuff. And, you know, they're like, I just love a a walk in the woods. Like, oh, yeah, the air is so crisp and you can really see everything up close. Like, I like a good bar with a live band. (laughs) That's what I like. You want to know what I like? I like a, I like a cold beer with a giant shot of Jack Daniels, followed by maybe a hot dog. Like I mean, this is all fine, well and good. It was great to see our friends. That was the best part. We're spending time with them. But like by by two days, I, I I'd seen enough leaves, and was like <laughs> I was like, you guys go. I'm gonna sit here and watch football. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. So and they were real nice about it. They were super cool. They could tell Greg Greg had seen enough you know foliage and it was time for greg to watch some football so everyone was real cool about it they went on some like four hour you know drive up into the mountains to see it. and i was like oh, thank you. <laughs> just want to watch a bunch of football and get drunk so that was and here they coming back you know there was a storm there in new england we're flying out of boston but then we go back to la there was a storm here in la and we're flying into los angeles and we see the lightning, you know, in the distance, hitting the ground over LA. And the 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 uh, the pilot comes on, and he's like, "So uh, we're going to be diverted to Las Vegas, oh no, because of lightning in Los Angeles. So uh, we'll be uh, right back with you." And I was like, "Okay, great. We're going to fucking Vegas by land, you know, and everything." He goes, then he comes back on and goes. So yeah, we don't have enough fuel to make it to Las Vegas. Oh no! So yeah, yeah, this is what he said. And he goes, so they're gonna try and land us anyway. <laughs> he goes, they're gonna bring us around from the north, and they. So now we're swinging around to the north side, of, you know, of LA, and you just see all this lightning striking the earth and shit in the valley, and we're like, oh god! And then he comes out and he goes, yeah, so not gonna land in LA. We're gonna head out to Ontario. Oh my and god. so, right, and then we land in Ontario, and they diverted like all the. They shut down LAX, so they sent all the planes to Ontario. So we landed. They're like, yeah. So we're here in Ontario, but as you can see by looking around, they sent a lot of other planes here to Ontario, and they don't really have any personnel to, uh, <laughs> to drive the gate out to our plane right now. So we're just gonna kind of hang out here. But, uh, I'm trying, yeah, yeah. So then we get a gate, and then we sit there for like another 30 minutes, and then finally someone show, shows up to drive the building to the plane. 
And of course, it's Ontario, and this is a, so the door can't even open all the way. So we're like escape hatching it through the door, and they're like, "Yeah, so uh, we're gonna get some buses, and we're gonna just bus you guys back to LAX." And I was like, "Fuck this!" So I just rented a car and and drove it from you know right there at, at, at uh, Ontario. We drove directly home from there. So it was one of those travel days where you're like, "Fuck!" Oh God. But you yeah, know, you got to pay a, a, a drop fee, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it takes it makes a, a twenty dollar uh, rental a hundred and twenty dollars, oh. but it's fine. Look, you know what? I mean, we, it was going to take a fifty dollar cab from the airport to get back home anyway. You know, it all worked yeah. out. Yeah, we were just so happy to go directly home instead of waiting for a bus to show up in the middle of the night, taking us to LAX, then waiting for an Uber to or you know to take us. We were like, I was like, no, you know what, hundred bucks, I got that. Yeah. yeah. That's good. You know what? It's worth it. We're going home. That's good. That's good. Yeah. I um. So I told you I booked the TV show. I'm not even sure I could say the TV show. I, am I, I? I could say what I'm on, right? I just can't talk about it. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's weird. They're real weird about. I signed that a weird stuff. NDA, but yeah. So I yeah, guess, then so, don't even mention it. But I got to tell you, the picture looks super cool when it comes out, and you can't talk about it. I'm telling you guys, you're gonna be super stoked when you see it. You're gonna be like, oh my god. Thank you. But it was yeah. funny because, like, that's on the I'll show, it said I had a stunt double, right? It said I had a stunt right. double. So I figure, all right, I'll just do my scene, and then the stunt double will come in, and then he'll do the action because I get beat up. Uh, so <laughs> he shows up, and he's like, hey, I'm your stunt double. I'm like, hey. He goes, so have you ever been headbutt before? I'm like, uh, no. He goes, okay, well, here's how you do it. I'm like, wait, I thought you were the stunt double. He's like, no, yeah. I'm going to teach you how to do the stunts. <laughs> so now I'm like... <laughs> Now I'm getting headbutt, and I'm like, and he's like, okay. And now for like three people are teaching me how to like jerk my head back and this and that, and then I have to like fall and like like he it was like a lot of my he did the stunts, I did the stunts. It was crazy. It was amazing, but it reminded me. I one time I did this commercial, right? I put I put one commercial like a wrestler, right? It was an Asics commercial, and in the commercial we had the actual wrestler in the audition. So me and the other guy just I threw this kid on his head. I did like a, a Japanese arm throw. Looks sick, so I, I booked the thing, right? So I show up, and the other actor's like, hey, uh, I'm like, did you wrestle before? He's like, yeah, you know, it's like middle school. I, I took a couple classes. I'm like, oh, no, because I know what's going to happen. Now I got to do doubles on him. He doesn't know how to land. So after, like, he's like, try not to hurt me. So after the third time, he's like, ow, ow. He's like, doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And he doesn't know how to land. So that he got cut. He got fired from the commercial. And then they bring in this fucking D1 wrestler who was in like, I don't know, <laughs> like national champion, three time national champion. And all of a sudden I'm the stunt double. So now, right. I landed, like, now he's throwing me around like for three hours. I landed on oh. my head and my back and everyone's like, I did fine, but it was like, Oh my fucking God. That was like, that was like one of the worst situations of like went really good to really bad. Cause the other guy didn't know what he lied about getting a job. Yeah. Uh, so that was it. Then I had a show Thursday night at, at like the Ritz Carlton, right? Jack, uh -huh. Jack Jr. book on top of the Ritz. And it, w it was awesome. It was actually a fun show, but I didn't realize people actually live at the Ritz Carlton. It was just a hotel. Oh, they have condos, I guess. Half the hotel was people that actually live there. Like $7,000 oh, $7, a month to, to, to live at the Ritz Carlton, right? You're living in a hotel room. Anyway, so they all came, all the community. And there was one Israeli guy who would not stop heckling. He had like long hair. And just yelling shit. He was drunk. And I'm like, this is why everyone hates the Jews. Like, I, I just started, like, murdering them, right? There was, 
It was like Middle Eastern there. I'm like, now, how long after that did you clarify that you're Jewish? I, I right away. I'm like, I'm Jewish. I'm sure that was the next words out of your mouth. I'm kidding. I'm also Jewish. My no, real I name's said I'm Jewish. Like, that had to have been like. Oh, I said I was Jewish first, right? I go, I'm Jewish. Okay. He's like, oh, I'm Jewish. And then he just kept doing his own jokes. And then there was a, there was a, another guy there, a Middle Eastern guy. And I go, if you guys throw rocks at him, it's totally. <laughs> So that was fucking, and then I, but I got him because I did, he was talking so much that like I do my rope a dope heckler thing where I let the heckler get a couple of them off. He thinks he's feeling good about himself. I, I do a jab or two back and then he's sitting there like, I got him. And then at the very end, I just fucking murder him with jokes. Like pow, pow, pow. And he's not expecting it. Yeah, That's yeah, exactly yeah. what I did. And he's like, oh, and I just like crushed last minute. Just, you know, I love that technique of how to dealing with a heckler. Uh, so uh, yeah, so that was um, so that was that was crazy. And then uh, coaching again is uh, so it's just crazy because I'm coaching these kids in wrestling, and you know I was we have like two different coaches, and a lot of times me and this other coach Aldo, we have similar. We, we don't always teach the same technique. Like like right. I, I teach like when you want to have your legs down, you want to have your laces flat. Right, and Aldo of course t- teaches when to bring out the switchblade. <laughs> Pretty much. So I try telling the kids like, listen, how, how to pack nickels into your into your gloves. So I try yeah. telling the kids like, listen, me and Aldo have different techniques, but they're both right. Uh, for example, I go, who here has ever picked up a girl, right? And I, my my goal is to be like, oh, well, I'm like, how'd you pick up a girl? I asked her out. You, I asked her out via text. See, you both got the girl. Different techniques, right? So I'm like, who here has ever picked up a girl, right? So one kid raises his hand. I go, how how'd you pick her up? He's like, I lifted her. I was gonna say with two arms. Yeah, that's what yeah, he said. Yeah. yeah, I was like, that's not what I meant. Uh, I was like, you freaking dorks. Uh, but yeah, so that. And that they probably it. never picked up girls yet, because aren't they like ninth graders, tenth graders? I mean, seventh, eighth, seventh grade. Yeah, they haven't picked up girl, and then right now they're like, <laughs> they don't know what to do at that age. They get around them and freak out or close down or just don't even talk to them. That's back when that's you know that's that age when it's like girls are on one side of the room and dudes are on the other. Although it might be different now. They watch so much porn. Maybe it's completely different now. It's funny because I guess there's like a porn star who like uh, who famous porn star that's that like sleeps with like he's like a doctor that like bangs girls. And I guess he's like a one thing. He's a dentist. and He's a fireman. And I'm like, and one kid's like, my mom's doctor is this guy. And then the guy goes, the other kid goes, my mom's dentist is this guy. Like, I guess it's cool to say that their moms are getting banged by porn stars. <laughs> Totally. They were, I guess they wanted to see if you had heard of this. Obviously, no, they never heard of the guy. sitting around watching this dude's videos. No, but of course, you know? knew what he was. Uh, by the way, I got to give a shout out to um, so a good friend of mine from high school, one of my best friends, Diva. He was a coach. My, he was the captain of my wrestling team. I know him for five years, ever since I was 13. Always been a, a, one of my best friends. His son um, was actually on uh, a soccer goal. Uh, he was, I guess, I guess, you know, spinning on it. Anyway. Swinging on it, the, the goal fell on him. Oh, and the, and he got knocked out. He had a minor brain hemorrhage. Uh, he's gonna be okay. He's going to the hospital ER. So he's a big MMA fan. So I reached out to some fighters and I go, Hey, you know, my buddy, can you guys make a video? To, uh, I hope you get well. So I shout out to Aljamain, Randy Couture, Bisbing, Pena, Colby Covington, John Dotson, Ashley Evan Smith, Bill Davis. Sadiq, Eric Anders, and Austin Vanderford all made videos for this kid. So uh, wow, you really uh, you really blew all your your favors in one shot there, buddy. It sounds like 
I hope I never have to go to the hospital because I feel like I'm going to get a video from nobody. going to be like, dude, we fucking already made you the video for the kid. How many fucking videos you want? I'm going to get zero. Mine are all going to be from like, how does this become you know, about you? Fans, like, of the, not, fans of the show. You know, normally people would be like, hey, that's very nice of them or thank you. What, what a bunch of cool guys. This becomes about your hypothetical getting injury. <laughs> well, you went through all of them. You used all of them on this kid. You couldn't give him three? You couldn't just give him, you know, a couple, you know, like one A, one B, one C? You gave him the whole list? I became Jeez. addicted. I became addicted. A little above and beyond. I, that's when the Adderall does too good of a job. <laughs> We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Who doesn't love football? I love football. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, around to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online. Where the game starts. <laughs> um, and then uh, some other stuff that happened. Um, uh, so I did a show, in, I actually, I did a show in Palm Springs at a weed dispensary, right? And it was a fun show, Zach Miller show. And uh, I'm on stage and the crowd's just like zoned out. Like, you know, like those shows you have to get up early because sometimes they get too high and they don't know what's Oh, absolutely. I've said it before. People think stoner audiences are the best and they are for like 30 minutes yeah and then it's a slow descent into drowsy so of course i'm like there's two girls there and i'm like oh how do you guys know each other and then the girl's like oh i'm in a polyamorous relationship uh that's my my husband's girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) i go okay so i guess you're the side chick that gets free rent and they're like exactly uh poly it's not just for mormons anymore (laughs) It really isn't. It's the new thing. Like, like young people are all like, just so you know, I'm Polly. You know? It's like, well, just so you know, I'm a ginger. I don't know what you're telling me. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. But um, so then me and my, my wife and the baby, were, were, we're staying at this like, nice place in like Palm Springs. And uh, it's a beautiful resort. It has like a, a pool that like you can go tubing in and this and that. Oh, awesome. So, so yeah. So we go there sat- and Saturday, Sunday morning, we wake up and we go to the pool and there, I figured that brunch was included, right? So they were giving out all these like egg wraps and all this like nice, you know, you know, <laughs> so I get like six of them, right? Of course. And then Bree was like, oh, you didn't see that there was a, a name of two people. Uh, it said like dedicated to, you know, like, you know, Heidi and Dean, whatever, right? I go, I go, yeah. She's like, that was for their, their wedding. I go, oh, I thought maybe that was just people that died and they dedicated the brunch. Like, like, like the brunch is dedicated. <laughs> she's like, why don't you, she's like, why do you not think everyone else is over there? I'm like, I don't know. You snooze, you lose. <laughs> You're such a dummy. I, didn't, I thought it was for everybody. Oh, no, like, no, they had a sign. 
I thought they dedicated the brunch. I'm like, maybe they died. I love it. You're probably when you do shows at like convention hotels and they're like, you know, Exxon welcomes its, you know, manufacturers and distributors. And you're like, oh, thank you, Exxon manufacturers and distributors. This is a lovely cheese danish and some fantastic coffee. Uh, yeah, it's funny because I was online going, wow, you guys did all come from a wedding, huh? You know, like, yeah, how could you tell? I'm like, oh, you were hungover? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, they didn't even ask why. So then, I, of course, when we left, Bree was embarrassed to walk past them. So I had to, like, walk by myself because she didn't want to be seen with me as the guy that stole all the food. <laughs> and then you didn't even go easy. You stole six racks. Dude, they well, were amazing. Uh, they were amazing. That's like grand theft, basically, at resort prices. Oh, and then, then Brie got upset because, uh, well, she was like, the other night I was lying in bed with her and I was like, I was being funny. I'm like, babe, I'm going to give you the bad dog. And she's like, what's that? I'm like, that's when you, you're having sex with the girl and you come on the rug and you stick your face in and go, bad dog, bad dog. So like, you, you heard that before, right? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. No. You know, like 10 years ago, there were like all those like the angry pirate. Right, but I, I, somehow I missed, uh, missed out on angry dog or, or on bad dog. The uh, poltergeist, you see that one? The poltergeist? Well, like, you're uh, having sex with a girl from behind, and your friend comes in, and then you go behind and say hi to her through the window. Oh. <laughs> Somebody had, like, a hundred of these, right? It's a damn, I mean, yeah, I know, like, the basic ones. The Dirty Sanchez, the Rusty Trombone, the Cleveland Steamer. But you you really went on the, uh, you went down the road with it. You're like, I gotta, I gotta see them all. So I, and I was listing all of them, and then she goes to me, she's like, I'm going to give you the butt muffler if you don't shut up. I go, what's that? She's like, this is the next one I said in your face, so you shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't threaten me with the butt muffler. That sounds pretty good. Exactly, I'll take it. <laughs> the butt muffler. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so that was, uh, that, that was, that was uh, my, 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 my weekend. And, and, of course, I'm doing that, that the, the comedy show in Vegas with the fighters this Thursday. The UFC. Yeah, that should be super cool, huh? I'm just nervous because I haven't done my 20 minutes on MMA in front of anybody. Like, I've been practicing and practicing and practicing it. Right, right, but it's all new really, material. Yeah, it's basically all new. So it can – I hope it goes well. Um, and I hope well, I, I mean, it. you're not a beginner. You're, no. you're pretty good at this now. And so I feel like – you know, you know well enough when something's going to work. Now, will it all work? No. But I bet a lot fewer miss than hits. I, I'm okay. sure you probably hit about 90% of them because you're just going to write those jokes. And I have to just pause, make sure I pause. And I, I'm also going to write them all down, like on a piece of paper, and then look down, put my, 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 my soda on it or something. That way I don't forget. Uh, yeah. Well, they have early shows there too. Maybe they let you drop in and do a guest set on somebody else's show or something. Is this the eight o'clock? I don't know if it's the earlier show. I think it's like. Well, the, yeah, that's the James Michael Magic show. So. Yeah, yeah. McCorkle, that might be know? tougher. I'm doing all right, man. You know, I'm just listening to you. What you ought to do is just hit up Brendan Schaub and get some tips because he said the other day on a podcast he's never bombed, not even once in his entire stand-up career, and the only people that bomb are people that aren't prepared. So I don't know. <laughs> He literally said that. He's never bombed even once. He said, I've had a few jokes where the the wording wasn't quite right. It took a little time, but no, I've never been booed. I've never had anybody leave. I've never, never bombed. Well, listen, when every show is a bomb, of course you've never bombed. <laughs> right. When that's your baseline, of course you've never bombed. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't realize that I was Yeah, he's, all, he's never had anyone leave. He's also never had anybody laugh. <laughs> right. I didn't realize how much I was bombing until I started killing you know what I'm saying? In the beginning, yeah. I think every set's great. And you're like, oh, shit. And you know what? There's always that guy 
who always thinks he killed regardless of how he did. And there's one or two that come to mind specifically who I won't name. But remember in New York, and you, you'd see them, and it was like, oh, how was that show over there? They'd be like, oh, kid, I straight oh. crushed it, super murdered, out of control. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I was there. You fucking suck. Was that Donald like, Trump that? doing stand-up? What was that? Was like, like, we, I, think, I think he has an idea who I was there. I know, exactly. But you know what? I think that that's an actually, like, uh, I think that's like an actual, like a talent because, like, for example, yeah. Ben Glebe was a funny comic. I've, I've seen him, like, not have good sets, and he walks around like he murdered. Like, to his, in his mind, he's never had a bad set. And he's yeah. obviously a really, really funny comic, but I don't think he just does – I don't think he gives a fuck. Um, Tiffany Haddish was somebody that, like, I used to see, like – like, she could be in a sketch that I, that I used to watch her do in the Laugh Factory that, that would not get laughs and did, did not phase her one bit. Like yeah. some people would be like, oh shit, Tiffany Haddish, and I mean, brilliant comedic actress, uh, funny comedian, but I've never seen her walk off stage upset. Um, and I think that is like, they say ignorance is bliss, but I wish I had that kind of skill. Hey, um, you might want to clarify that you're not calling these people ignorant. <laughs> but, but what? You're not calling them ignorant, because it kind of sounded... No, but I think they're ignorant to them having bad sets. Is what I'm trying to say. Is like uh, they're oblivious. Let's say that oblivious, oblivious, right? Oblivious, right? Better word. Uh, but you know, I, to yeah, a degree, but, it's the same thing in uh, fighting. To a degree, there's guys like that are fighting certain people that they've got no chance. They don't realize it, and because of that, they go out and win. Like uh, when I was fighting Mark Hunt, I thought I was going to win easily, and then I found out even my friends were betting against me. Like it was like I, was, <laughs> I found out that nobody in the building thought I was going to win but me. So. No, uh, no, Sean. After I, I was looking at your, uh, I was looking at your record. It good record, like nineteen and seven or something. Um, yeah, twenty. You know what it is? Yeah. It's those fighters that they dig the belt, they throw their arms up, and it's like you definitely did not win. <laughs> that was like this weekend. Like Alex Oliveira knew he had lost, and yet his coach was like forcing him to like put his hand up, and, like come on, you won, you won. And he was like, I didn't win. Yeah. I, I mean, it was but I won one round, but he, I mean, he knew, everybody knew it was, you know, 29, 28. But Sean, I mean, you, but you did, you lost five of your last six, but some of those fights you you shouldn't have been in. But the fight right. that I want to ask you about was right after the UFC. Uh, when you got cut from the UFC, you, you, you then won like four. And you were at that Circle K and that dude was <laughs> pissing you off. You won like four in a row, right? Like how close did you uh, back to the UFC? No, uh, I actually won six in a row, all in under a minute and a half, uh, within like an eight-month span. And I talked to Monty Cox, who was my agent at the time, and he said I wasn't any closer to getting to the UFC after winning six in a row, all in a minute and a half each, uh, because he said I hadn't beat any named guy. And I was like, well, Andre Arlovsky turned me down twice. Mike Hayes, uh, the guy 300 Hayes, pulled out three days before we fought. I beat a guy that was 4-1, and one, a guy that was 3-0, and oh, um, a guy – somebody else was like – 11 and three or something. I can't remember. I mean, I was beating guys with okay records, but uh, yeah, they weren't even the mild, they weren't even the least bit interesting. So. But I think that would be different today. I think today they're having fights every week. And the yeah. Manager, I think today they would have called you out right away. If you had won six Yeah, what well, was a bigger deal to fight UFC back when I was fighting? I hate to be one of those guys, but now they've got what, 800 fighters? I think when I was there, we had like 80. No, you, you're right. I mean, when you, when you fought, UFC events were in events. Every right. single one of them, you know, you were like, oh, my God, there's a UFC coming up, you know. Now it's like, who's on the UFC this week? You know, it's just, right. you well, know, it's just like, another entertainment choice. Also, like on late notice, there were no late notice guys back then. Like, 
hey, I mean, it didn't seem like they would just cut. They would just cut the fight. Yeah, they would. Have yeah, you, it was the main event. They would just cut the fight. Didn't they? Didn't care. Have you ever thought about fighting again? Have I? Uh, only yeah. Brendan Schaub. No. Only Brendan <laughs> Schaub. Uh, but no, my back is so bad. I could never. I mean, I, I can't even grapple, man. I can't do anything. So it's it's pretty bad. I thought <laughs> I was going thing, to Columbia with Don Fry. Say, like, if the Columbia thing works out for Don Fry and he's like noticeably better, are you going to look into doing that too? Well, I've, I've already looked into places going. They, they told me $45,000 and they told Don Fry free if he'll make a video. So I tried to like meet him in the middle and say, hey, I paid you guys twenty five. And make a video since I'm not as famous as Don Fry, but uh, and they like weren't interested. So I was like, okay, I don't know. I mean, Don's obviously more well known than me, but the guy he did it with, him, Dan Severn, a couple of people all get it for free. So I hit the guy up to set it up. So like, hey, I'm mildly famous too. Like, is there any way I can even get a discount? And hey, you know what, text man, me hey, what if uh, if it goes well, we'll raise that forty five thousand dollars for you. Okay, that would be awesome. But yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not even if it would for sure fix my back, I would go ahead and just pay the forty-five grand. Like I really would. I mean, I'm not rolling in money, but we've got a few dogs yet to buy, so I need to pay some money back. Like, all you gotta do is sell off two dogs and not bet for a weekend. <laughs> oh, y'all just and, say, yeah, uh, you'll be there. He, he doesn't understand. Greg doesn't understand how betting works. I'm gonna win next week, Fred. That fifty oh, to one right. is gonna hit. It's next week. That's right. Fred. That's right. It's always yeah. yeah. All right. So let's talk right. about that. Then, what you have to do is keep betting. Right. To work, right. The only way out of the hole is to keep digging. Everybody like knows before, that. I feel like before the podcast, you, you were winning until you had an MMA podcast. Dude, I was on like a 14-week win streak where I won at least 500 to 1,000 every week. And as soon as I started betting opposite of Greg, that's why I just threw everything to hell. This last week, man, the Patriots killed me. Like every – I'll have parlays of – Pay fifty to one, and I have five hundred dollars on it, and then I'll get eleven of the twelve right, and the twelfth one's always the most ridiculous. One. What do you? you know, what, what was the spread on the Bucks Patriots game? What was it like nine points or something? Uh, it was seven. They had six and a half on my thing. It was seven uh, on uh, originally on the DraftKings. So I just picked that they would win by three or more. Um, the you know, Patriots? You thought the before. Patriots would win, or or the, the oh, Buccaneers? No, no, the, yeah, no, the, the Buccaneers. Yeah, oh, okay. so they were. Like, I, I actually just picked, like, a parlay. I had, like, four or five other fights or other things right. And I was like, now as long as the Patriots, who are supposed to win by seven, win by at least four or whatever it was, something like that, then I make $2,500. And then, sure enough, they, it's always one point less than I needed. <laughs> Those guys, I don't know how the, these guys do it when they set the line. These guys are some kind it's, of psychics or something. God, it's they, fucking they amazing. They're going to have algorithms or something. Yeah, like, they are like, dead on every week. It's shocking. It's, yeah. If the line is seven and a half, it's going to be either seven or eight. Yeah, you know, it's like amazing. like they are. It's they are. It's it freaks me the fuck out to be honest. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the fights over the weekend. Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker. Uh, I don't understand Johnny Walker's corner. It's also McGregor's corner. Uh, this guy John Kavanaugh, who I think's a great coach. Everyone that coaches, he coaches great, but he's telling people that they're winning rounds. That are he's neither not necessarily winning rounds, and Johnny Walker thought he was winning this fight when he he wasn't, and it was the strangest thing. I don't know if he knows his fight his fighter's psych and has to say, well, this guy's gonna if I don't tell him he's winning, he's gonna get totally fucked up. So it's so more of a thing where you have to just tell him he's winning if he's not winning, but he's not being honest with his fighters. And Johnny Walker went from being the most exciting fighter out there 
to a point fighter, which is not well, even- And he told him that. That's what I was about to say. I couldn't believe he said that in the corner. He goes, is he fine? Just keep touching him. Just, just win on, you know, be a, you know, win it, win a point fight. He actually said, you know, win a point fight or play, you know, fight a point fight. And I was like, who fucking says that in an MMA fight? I almost lost my mind. I was just like, he could not have just said that to him. Ron? Maybe, uh, maybe he's one of the guys who don't listen. So if you tell him the opposite, then you can trick him into doing what you want to do, you know? Because um, there are a lot of guys that I swear they'll do the opposite of whatever their corner says, no matter what it is. I mean, I doubt that's what happened, but that would be my uh, best guess on it would be that they were just like, okay, touch him up, just touch him and stay away. So he would go out and go crazy and go for the knockout, you know? It's crazy. Uh, Kevin Holland versus Kyle Dawkins. That stoppage, I like the stoppage because he was knocked out. A guy yeah. was knocked out by a headbutt, so I understand. However, somebody said, well, if he would have came back and won, they wouldn't have said – they wouldn't have replayed it and said it didn't count because you were knocked out. So if you argue that, well, yes, that's true. But then the guy who won wasn't the guy that was – or he, he was knocked out, but he just came back and won. I don't have a problem with that. But everyone also loves Kevin Holland because he's funny, entertaining. So if it yeah. wasn't Kevin Holland, would people also be cool with it? Let's say it was somebody like uh, – that everyone hated. Let's say it was uh, Brendan Schaub. Brendan, Brendan Schaub or, or somebody that people did, didn't like. Cejudo. Or, I, mean, I, I like Cejudo. But let's just say it was somebody everyone didn't like. It was, no, it was yeah. What's his... It was Dylan Dennis that, that happened to. Would people be like, there was a no contest? So what are your thoughts on what happened? Greg, Sean. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, I, if it was Dylan Dennis, I'd just be shocked he was fighting somebody that was any good. Uh, yeah, that would be my right. first thought. But uh, no, it's a man. I don't. I don't know how you retroactively change the decision on a fight. Like he didn't. He he. The ref obviously didn't catch it right away. Uh, so like, if someone gets kicked in the balls and then submitted a minute later, can you say, "Oh no, he kicked me in the balls," and go back and change the result? It doesn't make sense. I mean, if it's a head button, a cut stopped it. That's completely different. But if you, the refs are terrible, by the way, in MMA. I'm sure you guys know that they are as bad as the judges. You know, you've got. A couple good ones and everybody else is like Steve Mazzagatti. Like, they don't know what are they doing while they're out there, you know? I wish they would hire former fighters as refs. And actually, actually, if they would pay well enough, they would probably get a lot of guys to go. I would ref fights, but I'm not doing it for $200. You know what I mean? I'm flying right. to Las Vegas. Like, it's insanity. But, yeah, yeah what's, what's his name? I love the way uh, Buffer says his name. Dan Margaliata. Well, Frank Drake said <laughs> basically, like, he's there all day. And you're making okay money after a, a long time doing it, but you're right. It's like two, three, four hundred dollars I, I think. I'm not in the UFC, I don't think, but at the lower level where it's just like, it's a fucking- I think that the UFC, I think it's only like five to, five to $800 unless it's a main event or something. So, I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of work to, to fly there. And to, I mean, even if they're paying your travel, you still have to be there two, three days, you know, to make $500. Everyone hates you. Like it's- I think, the, yeah. you know, I think the, the, the problem was that Dan was over there saying he was, he meant to stop it. Yeah. He was about to stop it, but he woke up and started defending himself and then let it continue. And then, of course, and then it turned out, you know, and you can make the argument like, oh, what if he won? Well, I mean, if he won, then the other guy definitely deserved to lose. <laughs> but if he, but, <laughs> it, but it was such a clear advantage that was gained from it. And I, I, I don't know. I feel like they had the chance to do the right thing and did do the right thing, and I hate to say that, but that's honestly yeah, I mean, what so I think. I, I think you're right. Like, as far as if it was a uh, kick in the balls or a cut, when the guy gets totally knocked out and then comes back, it's different. Like, when you're totally knocked out and then you come back, 
I think it's okay to, to retroactively change. Yeah, if he would have stayed out, he would have called in and been like, no content, blah, blah, blah. But he kind of woke up and started defending, you know, doing the instinctive thing. And, and it was working for a second, so he let it go. But it did become clearly, I mean, a, a, a total advantage in the fight. And so I just, I don't know. In a way, I kind of agreed with it. I hate to say that, but that's what happened. I'll tell you who I was happy for was Jared uh, Gordon because this guy, you know, former drug addict, pill addict, I think Oxycontin, overdose, like mm. – I mean, almost like pronounced dead. And then he was like, he broke his leg or something. They put him under, they put him, he was like off the meds and then he got hooked back on the meds because they gave him that while he was under. This guy's had the craziest life. And he lost to Joe Selecki in the first round, came back and won the second and third. Uh, Give the guy a lot of credit. Big fan of that guy. Anybody who overcomes that life and makes it to the UFC, you know, yada, yada. In my opinion, he went about all wrong. He should have not done Oxycontin, got heroin. Because as we've established, that's the key to your championship run. That's a callback from two episodes ago, guys. Good work. I know. I was like, wow, he really held on to that one. Uh, (laughs) That's what uh, I'm most known for, holding on to things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You really don't (laughs) hold on. You don't let anything go. (laughs) That's Brendan Chop. Um, (laughs) So uh, can we – are we done with Antonio Shevchenko yet? Are we still going to give her uh, six fights in uh, nine months? I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, If her last name wasn't Shevchenko, I I just don't know how how she's still in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, I I hate to say it, but she definitely needs to – get some more experience or get better because she's not get better. Yeah. They just keep probably like, but she's a Shevchenko, the name. And that's what it is. It's name value. I think being her sister is hurting her. I, cause any other fighter and she would have to get better before they gave her more chances. Five fights in 12 months. You know how many fighters would love to have five fights in 12 months. That's crazy. Almost all of them. All of them, exactly. The number one complaint we hear on this is they won't give me a fight. I need more fights. I get you know, I gotta, you know, they gotta give me a fight. This one, they five fights and she lost like four of them. I mean, come on, come on, and the, stop the joke. Uh, Bellator, you guys watch Bellator? No, I, I didn't know. <laughs> It was on yeah. Friday afternoon. People uh, loved you like Bellator's having a secret show. People <laughs> love people love that comment. That's fucking funny. Uh, I was trying to think of like a good joke about that. Like finding out about Bellator is finding out a girl's a squirter. Like you don't think it's gonna happen. You're like, yes. But I was trying to think of what the what the right joke is, where you don't know what's it's gonna happen, and then you're like, oh shit, and you're happy about it. What's a good analogy uh, of something that happens you're not expecting it, and then you're happy to happen? Greg, anything on that? Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, um, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Like, you take home a girl, you think she's going to be like, okay in bed, and then next time she's doing like the, what, the fucking, the pepper shaker? Like the pepper, like, the pepper mill, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, it's so funny that you go right for sex, and I was thinking food. It's like when you order, you know, you order the corned beef fashion eggs, and it comes with three sunny side of eggs. You're like, oh, my God, an extra sunny side of eggs. Greg. Okay. <laughs> Greg was thinking food, Adam was thinking sex, and I was trying to think of any way to insult Brandon Chop. Like, I was, <laughs> I was scrambling inside trying to figure out a way to do it. Yeah, it's like when you go to a Brandon Chop show and you find out he can't make it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and they, they had, had to hire some real comedians. Well, they had MVP versus Douglas Lima, uh, or Diego, was it Diego Lima? Diego Lima, that's the, that's the, uh, anyway, so, no, no, this would bother me. Uh, could so, Greg, can you look it up, MVP versus Lima? Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Oh, uh, unavailable. Um, and Lima clearly won the fight. 
he, he won the fight based on wrestling. Um, you know, MVP won the round that he won. He won more than the round that Lima won. But they gave it to MVP. It wasn't the greatest fight ever, but it was just like, come on. Uh, it, was, it was bullshit. It was, Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima. Can I tell you, like, navigating their website is as difficult as finding their actual fights. <laughs> i tell you what, they're doing a hell of a job of marketing themselves. I mean, you can't, it's like, sorry, are you trying to watch the video? It's like, no, I just want to see the results. Just fucking show me the results. Oh, my uh, God, yeah. Did, Douglas did you watch Celebrity Boxing at all, Greg? No, I was watching Leaves okay. turn from green to orange. Wait, and what Celebrity That's Boxed? Uh, Lamar Odom beat J-Lo's ex-husband. Uh, like, like the first husband. Like, the one that was a trainer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Odom looked decent. He looked pretty good. That's a big step up from uh, that crackhead kid. What is that, uh, the, yeah. the Street boy? Uh, and then afterwards, um, <laughs> that guy that was uh, the, the rapper that used to own the source. What's that rapper that like, Benzi- Benzino? A guy's named Benzino. He he walked in. He was announcing, and then he walked in the ring and uh, challenged Lamar Odom. He was the we've guy. Already that, run, we've already run out of celebrities, and it's the second <laughs> match. I was gonna say, what celebrities boxed Adam? Yeah, <laughs> like it sounds like they had one celebrity. So ben, and it's a guy who previous uh, losses include uh, gas station energy boner pills. <laughs> Benzino was the guy. He used to run the source, and then he got a fight with Eminem. And Eminem kind of destroyed his career. He had one decent hit, Benzino. Anyway, so I find it hard to believe anyone who is involved with Source Magazine had any violence at all uh, in their life. You know what I mean? Because nothing bad ever happens at that show. Yeah, exactly. The Source then, Awards never produced any uh, bad situation. Oh, that was the best. Back in the day, the Source Awards was like the Source Awards or shit was going to go down at the Source Awards. Oh my God! And then Wide Neck. So there's a guy named Wide Neck. Guy right, who got arrested, right his mugshot had a really wide neck, um, like like really wide. It came crazy with, wide, yeah. Like, thousands of jokes, were like he's got next, just you know, he's next level. It was all these neck jokes. So he boxed a guy named Holy God, uh, who's a guy who's missing his teeth. Uh, Naturally, and is is a TikTok star, and I guess it was a draw. So Holy God boxed wide. It neck. was a draw. In other words, they both showed up and neither could leave. So. <laughs> It was a it was a draw. They both fell down. And just <laughs> um, yeah, so, that- so stupid. This is not celebrity. This oh god, uh, that was like I remember the earlier one. Remember when like Horshack from Welcome Back, Cotter? Yeah, and I'm like, and I was just like, the fuck is happening out he there? He fought Screech. He fought Screech. Yeah, that's right. It was so sad. That was then, uh, so sad. China fought Joey Buttafuco. Remember? And but if Hugo like yeah. threw her around the ring, like literally just like threw her, like. <laughs> Manu Bowl fought the refrigerator. That was awesome. And then Manu Bowl was boxing refrigerator Perry, and the ref at some point said, "Fellas, if you want to get paid, you better start fighting." And then they started going at it, just going crazy because they knew oh they were not get paid. And then Manu Bowl fight. versus. Oh, that's so bad. That's so terrible. Versus refrigerator fought, Perry. Todd Bridges fought Vanilla Ice Willis. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who had Tank Abbott in his corner for some reason? Vanilla Ice did. Um, <laughs> yeah. so. Right, because if it's one thing Tank Abbott is known for, it's his great technique, uh, <laughs> yeah. his, his his cardio, 
Um, like, oh, you know, really great coaching. Remember when he said he wanted to fight Ronda Rousey, but he said it like from like his like deathbed. He like was on it, and he's like, "I'll fuck up Ronda Rousey." <laughs> That's how you want to go out, challenging a lady. I remember one time he tried to throw a guy over the cage, right? One of his fights, yeah. up, and I asked Tito Ortiz because that was his training partner. Why did he try to do that? And Tito said somebody in practice was like, I bet you can't throw the guy over the cage tomorrow. He's like, oh, yeah? And then that's why he tried to do it. <laughs> did I ever tell you about my, brother, my brother's advice to me, Adam, when I fought Mark Hunt? Oh, to walk out, right? Yeah, he was like, well, dude, listen, you're probably not going to win. So he goes, that said, he goes, if he throws like a real hard leg kick and it really hurts and you know you're not going to beat him, just scream, oh, my God, why did you do that? And take off running, jump out of the cage and run up to the top of the stadium like run through the crowd and run out of the building. He said, you'll get at least a Pizza Hut commercial or something out of it, you know, like in some way. And he was dead serious. Wow. Like he was yeah, absolutely dead serious. McNeely, right? McNeely did that, right? Yeah, like I knocked out by pizza. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, I remember Peter McNeely was actually in rehab, and his roommate in rehab was Chris Farley. That must, <laughs> that must have been a crazy room. Uh, yeah. Chris Farley, <laughs> Peter McNeely, right? I mean, anyway, uh, th this week, um, you would think I, Chris Farley would get a private room. <laughs> what I, you think they would all get private rooms? You can't put someone two addicts together and be like, "All right, now don't work together though to try and get drugs." Well, I, mean, I heard that's half the fun of rehab is the relationships you make, though. I don't know. <laughs> right, Sam? I think it's one of those. Your it's like high school. You're friends until you're out of there. My little brother went to a uh, Pentecostal or like super religious rehab one time for weed and everyone was making fun of him for being there just for weed. Like, are you an yeah. idiot? Like, what, yeah. you're here for weed? And then uh, his claim to fame was he had sex with Britney Spears' cousin while he was there, you know, or whatever. Allegedly her cousin probably just had blonde hair and looked a little like her or something. But um, when he got there, the guy met with him that runs the camp or the rehab and was like, uh, I'll be honest with you, Danny. You seem like the kind of guy to me that will play the game, smile the whole time. When the 30 days is up, you're going to be like, fuck you, Jim. I'm out of here. And uh, my yeah. brother said, I, I hate that you think that, you know, this and that. So on the last day he's there, he completes his 30 days. The guy's dropping him off the airport. And my brother tells him how much it meant to him, all they worked with him, and, you know, real health. And he's going to stay clean. And as he got ready to shut the door, said, by the way, fuck you, Jim. I'm out of here. Oh, and my God. The door. And he said the guy uh, liked it and hated it at the same time. So uh, it was a kid. Well, listen, here's the thing, though. He now qualifies for celebrity boxing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he fucked Jimmy. He fucked Britney Spears' cousin. That's all you need. <laughs> you we're going to put you up against uh, against uh, you know tiny shoulders, and uh, you got he's a TikTok star. There was a kid in my high school who lied to his parents about being a drug addict for some reason, and they sent him to rehab. Uh, and then when he was in rehab, he actually became a drug addict. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Those drugs that you listen, they got to wean you off it with that other stuff. That guy <laughs> took trolling way too far. It's like, yeah, like this, I'll tell you what, this, this synthetic heroin's better than no heroin. Uh, Britney Spears, by the way, I used to volunteer at the Ronald McDonald House like for like three years. I was the volunteer there. And uh, that's how I got the name Hunter. Long story. But Britney Spears came one time and like read to the kids, right? Like read to the kids. Wait, you lost me. You got the nickname Hunter while working with kids. Well, no, that, 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 yeah, <laughs> I should probably explain that. Uh, there was a kid that was named Hunter. Now we know why he got fired. 
There was a kid Don Fry's like, I got Predator when I was working with kids. There was a kid named Hunter there who was like crying every week. Like he had like seven rounds of chemo and no one could get to him. But oh, yeah. His hearing was gone. So I just was like, started yelling things at him. And then he started laughing. We became like best friends. And he would be like, where's Adam coming? Adam coming. Like literally I was like a family member to him and I cheered him up and I like, and, and then I was like trying to think of a name to the Greenberg because my dad was like, Greenberg is, is too Jewish and this nut and so just I was like finally I'm like I'm and if there's to... anything I know about Hollywood is you don't want to be Jewish right right right, right. <laughs> you should have changed it to, to Adam Elite being so being a 22 year old I was like fine dad I listened to my dad and I was like I'll take the word Hunter because it'll remind me of like you know when I did really good things and kids that you know and like what life's really about which is helping people so that's why I got Hunter anyway was the forward. kid's name wait was the kid's name Hunter yeah Hunter that was oh, okay. I didn't catch great, that part. He was a great kid. He, he ended up dying of cancer. He was a really, really sweet kid. And the family loved Great the story. So, uh, I don't know. I can't tell you're being serious. So, there was... <laughs> Britney Spears came and read a book to the kids, right? And Back on track. Was like, there was like 20 kids there. And then uh, that was like... I had her publicist take pictures. And someone's like, hey, Britney, can I take a picture with you? And she's like, if I take a picture with you, I take a picture with all the kids. I have to leave. And she bounced. And the kids were all fucking crying. Like, it was like a terrible experience for these kids. So somebody told the New York Post about it. And, uh, and then the next day, we had to sign an NDA saying we couldn't talk to the, new, the paper about celebrities. It became a huge thing. So uh, <laughs> someone, I was like, someone, luckily, I signed it Adam Greenberg. But it's I was going to say, someone named story. Greenberg told the, the Post about it. I'll tell you who was the nicest celebrity, though. Jennifer Love Hewitt would come, like, every Christmas and New Year's, and spent all her time with the kids. Like, like no publicist, nothing. And just spent like like four hours, go to each kid's room and hang out with each kid. This is when Jennifer Love Hewitt was like, you know, party five and like, you know, big movie star. I know he did last summer, so. I was about to say, this is my impression of every kid after she left the room. Mom, who was that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, she's not Britney Spears. They said Britney Spears was coming. Well, some Greenberg guy ruined that. <laughs> so I, tell you, I did a show one time. Remember they used to have camp shows that uh, they used to have, they have like, the only thing I can get on at Stand Up New York where they bring the whole camp in at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. The kids camp. Like, yeah. They, do it at the, they used to do it at the improv here all the time too. And the worst spot was the ice cream spot where you, you're on stage trying to tell jokes that for like 10 year olds and they give out ice cream to everybody. And every kid's like, ice cream. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the check spot times like 50. Like you do not want to get the ice cream spot. Well, one time, for some reason, whoever booked it, booked like a special needs camp for kids like with like, I don't know, like some very, very like huge problems, right? Huge issues. And then a gifted camp. And they put these camps together, right? So then they booked me as a and, and And kids, that's how babies are made. <laughs> so, <laughs> dude, I go up there and look, I didn't have any clean jokes at the time. So I said the word lesbian, right? And all of a sudden, the kids that had the problems going, lesbian, ah! And I started screaming, like running around, lesbian, like, like going crazy. And then the gifted kids were like, what's wrong with It was like the worst. That was a terrible, terrible experience. You know, it's crazy you perform for an audience that sounded half retarded. And uh, we all know who shows those people go to now. And that's why Brendan Schaub doesn't bomb. All right. There we go. <laughs> I wish I didn't laugh at that. Can we delete that? Again? One time I went on a show. We used to do shows on cruise ships, right? But it wasn't a cruise. It was like after the prom. 
they would all like, it was like a couple hours around New York City, right? The, the prom cruises, right? So me and my buddy went there and we got on the wrong boat one time and it was like all black deaf kids, right? So the kids like were all signing. <laughs> they're all black. They were throwing gang signs, I think, Adam. I don't think, I don't think they were necessarily deaf. So we're there, I'm like, and I'm making jokes to my Tarun. I'm like, I guess this is deaf comedy jam. <laughs> So, oh, <laughs> one time me and Dustin Chafin got booked to do one of those prom boats and we're standing there and we're just waiting two creepy fucking dudes waiting to tour around with fucking high school kids to tell some jokes and they go out and like whoever the coordinator is comes over and goes so listen um, the kids are ready to go ahead and disembark but they really would rather if you guys didn't come uh, and they're like, but don't worry, you're still gonna get paid. They just they don't, they'll skip the show. They just don't want you. It's fine. And we're just like, uh, okay. I figured on that boat that you went on, Adam. Uh, I wonder how many times those deaf kids were like, know what I'm signing? Whenever they would do their sign, you know. Dude, it was it was I insane. Know. I did a show one time and there was a deaf interpreter, and the whole I had fun with it. it was at college. The school was like 30 percent deaf. And I was like, uh, I started saying halfway through, I really want to bang the comedian. He's really sexy. This is not part of his act. I like, it's just all like what she was saying. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, I did a show one time at a barn, a Christmas show at a barn. And they had a prayer before the show. Like, I knew we were <laughs> fucked. The show lasted three minutes for the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, stop, stop, you go, you can go, you can go. <laughs> they gave us the hook. Yeah, uh, one time I was I was at a, a holiday party that I was just it was a corporate event. I was just there an employee, and they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah." So you know, we uh, hired some local comics, and the guy gets up there and he starts talking about how uh, talking about pussy stink. Oh my god! You know, some women, you know, they're not so fresh down there, and you start like, and, and I was like. Uh, I mean, it's silent. And I mean, finally, they're just like looking around. They just cut the mic. And he's like, that was it? I did, I did a show with this comedian on a cruise ship one time who was like having the worst day. His wife just left him. Like, he was just having like, he was at his rock bottom. So he goes up there at, at a kid show. And he goes, and he's like, hey, it's all these like huge people on the cruise ship. Not the most athletic people you've ever seen. Just like families that are like obese. And he goes, he goes you know, there's a gym on this cruise, right? <laughs> he goes, this is my impression of the crowd. Like, moo. <laughs> he goes, oh my. He goes, upstairs, the buffet. They, they should have a soundtrack and just have grazing sounds while you're up there. <laughs> like, oh, my. oh my God. Sounds like his greatest performance ever. That would have saved was, his marriage. I was in the back crying. I was crying. Then I worked out with a, a Canadian guy, and this girl was like flirting with us the whole time. Like the, the girl in charge of the show, like the sound girl, uh, and she was like the host. And but she had a boyfriend that was the sound guy. He was he was doing the sound, and this hot girl was like very flirty. You know, like sometimes women, you're just like, all right, like. But she has a boyfriend. The guy was like from like Ireland or Scotland, just like this angry guy. So the, co the, the comic runs out of jokes at like, like the fifth show, like the same crowd kept coming back, right? So he's like, like 10 minutes in and people are like, we heard these jokes before. And he's just like, you know what? I really want to fuck that girl, the manager. I just want to come in her face. I've jerked off to her six times so far. And she's just like, uh, uh. He goes, all I want to do is fuck her. And the sound guy is her boyfriend. And he's just like, 
beyond pissed. Like he's turning red, like fumes. And he's like, yeah, I just, all I think about is just her blowing me. And then just me just coming all over her face. Dude, I'm, I'm fucking crying. Like, and she's just like, hey, like trying to do that, like fake uncomfortable laugh. <laughs> that was the last. <laughs> so bad. I was going to say, I wonder why the guy was so angry, the sound guy. And then I realized his flirty girlfriend is, uh, <laughs> You know, that could be the new show with so many videos out there. We should start a new clip show called Comedy Gone Wrong. <laughs> yeah, it and it's just clips like you getting attacked at the wedding, you know, <laughs> just all these clips, me getting attacked by the, the lesbian kickball team. Oh, yeah. Just, Wait, what was that? Brendan Schaub doing any set? <laughs> <laughs> what anyway, this is really for Brendan Schaub Day. I wish I were keeping an accurate count. This is really... <laughs> A very high output Brendan job day. I think we're at like like at least six by now. All right, so uh, fights this weekend. You got Marina Rodriguez versus Mackenzie Dern. Uh, Mackenzie Dern, obviously, she's the one that's a jujitsu prodigy. Everyone seems to like her. She has people are mad that she has like a fake Brazilian accent, but I mean, who cares? It's kind of funny though. Uh, she missed weight a couple times in the beginning, um, and then now she's on she's on track. Fighting girl Marina Rodriguez who knocked out the girl that beat McKenzie. This is a, a good fight. Uh, people are mad this is the main event, but you know what? It's actually a good fight. Who do we like in this card, Greg? This is like uh, <laughs> when you show up at a show and the hot girl comic who's been doing it three months is suddenly the headliner and you're, you know, and you're, and you're just like, how the fuck are they? Is she? And again, not that I have anything against women's fighting, but this is a real who's who? So I, I just, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know what to make of these. I mean, this say sure, this is a fight, and, and uh, you know, and I'm sure one of them will win after they complete all. I hope it's not five rounds. Oh God, five rounds! I mean, they'll finish. It'll go five rounds, and one of them will be named the winner. Thank you for that amazing analyst uh, analysis. Uh, you, McCorkle? Uh, I'll go with Mackenzie, man. Uh, she's, not, I don't know, she's not a world beater, but she's been looking pretty good over all her fights. And, uh, you know, I think Greg was talking about stand-up comedy, like when the, the hot chick is up there. Usually it's a semi-hot chick doing comedy. Like, you always think, like, God, like, whose dick do I got to suck to get, you know, the headlining position here? Going. The, go on. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, – <laughs> I was going to say that uh, Bruce Buffer also asked that question uh, before every UFC event, like, whose dick do I have to suck to announce this uh, fight? Because I'll do it either way, even if I don't have to. I didn't know that's where this was going. I thought it was going to I knew it. I knew exactly. I thought, it, I thought you were saying I was going it. to Dominic Cruz. So I was like, no, I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was going to uh, Brendan Child blowing Rogan. I thought that was yeah. I definitely thought it was Buffer. So Tim Elliott is fighting uh, Mateus Nicolau. Uh, Tim Elliott's a guy that his last fight, he was fighting a guy that was accused of beating up his girlfriend. And while he was beating the guy up, he's like, why are you hitting, why are you hitting girls? Or while he's on top punching a guy in the face, <laughs> which is a pretty badass. Uh, it really, I, that girl I'm sure was like, thank you, thank you. So and, good for him. And then, and then the, and then the guy was like, that's not what happened. And he's like, that's not, he goes, she DM me. It was like a full on conversation. Uh, and it was right by the, <laughs> The, the score table and Cormier and them were like trying like let's listen into what he's saying. It was like the weirdest. It was crazy. Uh, so yeah. I'm surprised Kevin Holland didn't jump in and get in the conversation also. Like it's just from the sideline or something. 
because he talks all during Yeah, time. no kidding. And if you ever wondered if those fighters could hear the announcers, because Cormier is basically coaching from the announcing booth. You know, what he's got to do right now, he's got to wear, and the best was when, what's his name, it wound up getting pinned. I forgot who it was. He's like, of the three things you could have done right there, this is the one I wouldn't have done. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's hearing this while he's on his back. I think it was Oliveira, Oliveira. Uh, and then Maria, uh, Maria Agapova is fighting Sabrina Mazzo. That should be a good fight. Darren Wynn, who was like, looks like Cormier in like the fourth grade, is fighting Phil Hawes. Hawes is the guy they brought on the contender that was like they were calling the next John Jones, and then um, what's his name knocked him out. Uh, the guy that asked out Miley Cyrus Marquez Julian Marquez was like losing the fight and then kicked him in the head it was crazy. Uh, that should be a good fight. Um, Charles Rosa that was a guy that became a chef. He came out and they just lived by ATT an American Top Team, and they started training there and now he's awesome. He's fighting but no heroin. You're sure no heroin. Jackson. Uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of good fights uh, uh, this week. Um, but uh, yeah, and listen, not to say they're not going to be good fights. I mean, uh, uh, they they it's very, you listen, lesser name fights are usually better fights. I mean, these guys try harder. They put it all out of the line. They're trying to make a name for themselves. These could all be good. We didn't talk about the Randy Brown Jared Gooden fight though. Oh yeah, that's, that's going to be a good fight. That's a good one. Randy. I like listen. Anybody named Night Train? Oh, you're getting my vote. He's a good <laughs> dude. He actually came on my podcast and he, really nice guy. But he kept telling me black jokes. Uh, and he's he's black, but, right. I, but I didn't know how hard to laugh. <laughs> yeah, you're like, am I laughing with you or uh, I don't? Uh. <laughs> it was like eight my minutes. last name's Greenberg. I feel like he was trying to get me to tell one, and I'm like, no. It's like when Tyron Woodley did stand up comedy, who did very well, by the way, very very well, especially for his first time. But he's like, yo, uh, on the count of three, I want everyone to say the N word, and then he and then he goes one, two, three, and people were like, uh, I feel like this is a trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that, I think that'd be a good show, right? Where you have a bunch of people in a car and uh, you have them, uh, like a rap song come on, and then they get points, but they don't know they're being filmed if they rap along the N word to the song. Uh, like, that would be like. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Awesome we'll put it up them. there. We'll put it up there as a special segment on Comedy Gone Wrong. <laughs> 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 what would be awesome is if they did that, but they told three of the four people in the car not to say it, and they'll look at the person that said it and act absolutely, you know, like uh, devastated. Okay. Hey, I was thinking earlier. Yeah. I had like a four-part joke that's too late now, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. Um, you were saying, what was that guy's name that wanted to be the next John Jones? Oh, yeah, uh, they were calling him the next John Phil Jones. Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes. And you were saying uh, Tim Elliott was asking that guy, like, why do you like to beat up women? No, yeah. those are two different things. <laughs> well, no, you said Tim Elliott was beating up a guy saying, why do yeah, you want to yeah, beat yeah, up Yeah, but I don't think it was Phil Hawes. No, it wasn't Phil No, Hawes. but if it had been, it would have been awesome because he could have said, because I want to be the next John Jones. <laughs> there it is. Was that was worth it. That was worth it. That was a good joke. That was worth it. I'm glad, I'm glad we, we nailed those, those boards together. <laughs> and, uh, that one requires one of those, you know, those maps with the, the, the yarn connecting dots and pictures and suspects. <laughs> what do you have? Coming? Brendan Schaub's just falling yeah, right, Schaub's right in the middle with all roads. Yeah. Greg, what do you have coming up? This weekend, I will be at Laughs Unlimited in Sacramento, California. Also on Thursday night, I'm doing some show in Chico, California. So you can probably uh, you can catch me there. I forgot the name of the venue or where it's at, but you live in Chico. 
There can't be that many comedy venues on a Thursday night. So uh, I'll be up there first and then back down at SAC uh, Unlimited. So be sure and come out and see me this weekend. Are you driving as you go? Uh, from Sacramento, yes. That's a long drive. Be careful. It's a long drive. I thought it was just like an hour. Oh, from Sacramento. Oh, you're flying to Sacramento and driving. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did the, the drive to Chico State. I did a show there. Uh, oh, from L.A.? Yeah, yeah. And this one lady was not laughing at anything. She was sitting there like this, and I started making fun of her. Of course, she wrote the review. <laughs> nice. Perfect. They, well, yeah, yeah, from here, it's like six or seven hours, six and a half hours, seven hours, something like that. I have no interest in doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, what do you have, McCorkle? Uh, I'll just be waiting for my furniture to be delivered. I waited all last night. They said to be here at 9.15. The uh, guy, it doesn't matter what color he is or what country he was from, but I think it was from, like, Africa. And he uh, pulled into my neighbor's yard and got his vehicle stuck. They had to bring out three different tow trucks to finally get him out. And I had a bunch of land so I could see what was going on, but I wasn't over there talking to him because who wants to go to their neighbor at midnight and be like, hey, that's my furniture he's got, you know? Like, uh, you don't want to say anything. And so then... I stayed up literally till 12.30 waiting for him to bring it. I see him finally get it pulled out with the tow truck, and then he just drives away, like never delivers the furniture. Like, so he was all the way here to my house, pulled in the wrong place, gets stuck for four hours, and then just pulls away without delivering it. And he's the guy who I was late today. He's still not here delivering furniture. So, like, he, they call him. He'll be there in 15 minutes. Like, oh, God, I'm doing a podcast. All right, well, I'll be a little bit late. It's still not here. I know it's a terribly boring story. but No, dude, your stories are awesome. I love your stories. Any, any story you tell, I fucking love. Um, so. Except that last one. But don't worry, this isn't, totally a live show. this isn't a live show. We can go ahead and cut it out. The, wow. joke I was, uh, the joke I was working on earlier was going to be that I asked myself why I beat up women when I'm doing it. Oh, no. Like, I ask myself that all the time. No, 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 no. All right, I will be at the uh, Thursday night at the Strat at the UFC Comedy Jam taping. Uh, then I'm at JR's Simi Valley this Saturday night. Uh, next Saturday, I'm at Iguanas and Pico Rivera. <laughs> uh, Iguanas. And then I'm at the... Uh, hey, wait a minute. Did you say uh, you're taping the UFC show? Yes. It's for Fight Pass. Oh, that's great. That's taping, super fun then. Taping for Fight Pass. Uh, and then... Um, uh, I didn't know if it was just a show you put together or something, but that's great that people are going to be able to see it on Fight Pass, man. That's super cool. I actually really came out for that, Adam, except my daughter's getting married this Sunday, but I really want to sell that advertisement. I was like, I'm going to go out there. And I'm like, oh, no, I probably should go to my daughter's wedding. Congratulations. When are you going to do it? Uh, come to Las Vegas? I don't know. Probably sometime after oh, the When wedding. are you going to do the, uh, the show? <laughs> well, uh, my, uh, wait, when am I going to what? <laughs> Fighters doing comedy. You're, you're oh, a fighter. Like, when I'm getting married, I'm like, thanks for asking me in front of my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> That's what I thought he was asking you, too. I thought he was asking you, so when are you going to, you know, when you're oh, ready no, when to do it again? Party. As soon as no one has to wear a mask anywhere I go uh, so that I can ridicule them without their masks. Um, but no, it's, uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do anything here pretty soon because I'm not vaccinated. And they're pretty much cutting out everything that you're going to be allowed to do, I guess. So. All right. Well, you know, there is kind of a simple solution. <laughs> Not when you're as prideful as me. No, listen, I want you to stay home and just sit around on your pride. That's, that's, <laughs> believe me, you're, you, you know, you think, you, think, you think you're making a point. You're doing the world a favor, man. <laughs> I literally thought you were going to say, sit on your thumb, sit on your elbow, sit, like, sit on your pride. And I was like, oh, exactly. Go ahead and sit on your pride and enjoy it. I, mean, I hope it's super Lansing, comfortable because you're going to be there for a while. Lansing, Michigan, October 20th to 24th. And then 
Yes. I'm at uh, the Shamrock Bar and Grill in Marietta, California, November 30th. And at the Elsnore Comedy Club in Lake Elsnore, November 19th. All right. Thank you guys so much. You guys are the best. Take care.